Good morning. Welcome to our time of prayer and Bible study and prayer this morning. This is Tuesday morning, February 16th. I'm excited about today's passage. Before we get into it, I hope you're all doing well. Boy, there's a lot of nasty weather all over the country. There's people down in Texas. I know you guys aren't used to weather like this, and we've had uh, quite a bit up here our way, but uh, we pray that everyone is safe and staying warm and enjoying your days off. Um, I know we've We've had a lot of days off in this past year, so I hope that these extra ones today, if your kids aren't in school, if you're not at work, your time is well used. I'm really excited about today's passage. Actually, I was kind of wondering, you know, how do you, there's certain portions in in Scripture that really challenge our cultural understanding, where we are culturally, and uh, big themes in our culture. Today's one of those, and they're, they're ones that generally we don't thrilled to teach. And the more I've looked into this passage to prepare for this morning, the more excited I am to be teaching on it. So let's jump right into this. I think this is going to be really exciting in light of the whole theme of 1 Peter chapter 3. Here we go. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Excuse me, let me start. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, They may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, and putting on dresses. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way the former women and this way in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you'll become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Well, you know, some people react to a section like this, and they think this is uh, inequality or puts women down or something like this. Not at all. Not in the least. Remember what we're talking about here in 1 Peter is how Christians are to act in situations where we're being persecuted, where we're in a non-Christian environment, where, where, um, where, where we're under pressure. We're being marginalized. And in this case, I think with this passage, although there's principles that relate to all of us, this passage is relating specifically, I believe, to a Christian woman whose husband is not a believer. Well, how do you win him? And remember, this is one of the great themes of 1 Peter. How do we win when we're not when it looks like we're on the losing side? How do we turn the tables? How do we make things right again? How do we prevail? as Christians. And so this passage, while again, while there are principles that I think can relate to any marriage and any Christian marriage and that we don't want to violate them, I think sometimes we have taught that this is specifically, this is how Christian marriages should be. And, and again, there are principles true here, but we don't want to imply that in a Christian marriage, the wife just never speaks up. Only, you know, if her and her husband ever disagree on anything, all she does is she has to be quiet and just sit there and, and win them without a word. 
there, there, there may be wisdom at times to do that, but I think, again, I stress that I believe this passage is dealing with the, with a, a Christian woman and a non-Christian husband who's not listening to her. We face this a lot in our culture, don't we? The husband isn't saved, or maybe he, he is, but he's cold towards God, doesn't want to go to church, might not want the children to go to church. Uh, and the wife, you know, she goes to church, sits there alone by herself. It can be sometimes lonely, she, and, she, and deep in her heart, she just wishes so much that her husband can be there. And, uh, you know, she goes home and tells him that. It's easy to argue about. It's easy to get into, uh, you know, why aren't you there? And to, to let it become heated and emotional. It's the same way, I think, with uh, in our culture, we see this with uh, teens that maybe come to Christ and their parents don't really respect their religion. They, they think they're going through a phase. They don't believe it's real. And the teen wants so badly for their parents to believe the gospel and be saved, come to church, and they argue about it and they fight about it. I shared in my email last night about when I became a Christian. Remember, I, I read picked up track at the state fair and, uh, and, and read it and got saved. I didn't know any other Christians when I got saved. I'd been reading the Bible. I didn't know any other Christians. It wasn't, I, I, came, I started reading my Bible in September, excuse me, in, in June. I picked up that track, and I believe that's when I got saved, was in August. It wasn't until the following April that I ran into some other true believers who were excited about Christ that were my age. And those were, I'd say, were, I'm sure I knew Christians beforehand, but never had anyone I really had fellowship with until then. And they had a fourth spiritual laws book by Campus Crusade. And when I read it, I said, wow, this just puts it so clearly, so simply. And I was so excited about it. I remember took it home after school and I shared it with my mom. I can still see us standing there in the kitchen. We got the, the second spiritual law and, uh, you know, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And her response was, I'm not as bad of a person as you think I am. And I said, mom, well, the Bible says everybody's a sinner. Well, I'm not a sinner. And we kind of had an argument. And to be honest, um, uh, I should have uh, followed the scripture, which I didn't know yet. Abandon the quarrel before it breaks out is wisdom. But I didn't. And we argued about whether my mom was a sinner. She was defended that she's not. And I argued strongly that she was. And clash. And dare I say, it literally took decades really to heal some of the, heal some to where she, where she was really receptive to hearing what I had to say about God, about the Bible, about Jesus. It wasn't until she was 89 years old that she finally came to Christ two years before her passing. So I wish I would have known this principle back then as well. The principle of what do you do with an authority, someone who you ought to be respecting, looking up to, if you disagree about God, about the Bible, for that matter, about anything important, maybe even politics in our day and age. Several points I want to make here. Several points Peter makes, and that is this, you win them without a word. That's the key. Once it gets, now, now listen, I know the gospel involves information. I hear this quote allegedly spoken by St. Francis of Assisi. I, I've also heard he didn't actually say this, but the quote, you've heard it, preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. It is necessary to use words to preach the gospel. People don't get saved just by our example. 
People don't get saved just because we're, we, we treat them well and we're nice people. Our good behavior opens the door for them to hear the gospel. Our good behavior and winning them without a word simply means that, that we've gotten to place now where they will listen and they will receive what we have to say. It does need to be said. But if there's been this clash and this argument, then um, no, the, the solution is not to keep arguing, not to argue more vehemently, not to yell more loudly, not to just bring other verses into it. The, the key is that my behavior, my behavior can soften their heart and open them up to what I have to say. My behavior towards them, not just that I, you know, we, we tell college people, when you get saved, don't go home and just preach to your parents. Maybe the better thing, go home and clean your room. Go home and help do the dishes. Go home and, and, and sit down at the table with your parents and talk to them. Go home and instead of being on your phone all the time, uh, when you walk in the door, give your mom or dad a kiss or a hug and, and, and show some interest in them as human beings. Those are ways that, that what, what's gotten into my kid? What's gotten into my, what's happened to him? That's what will make them interested in knowing about our religion as we show that respectful behavior towards them. Okay, not just that we go off on our side on our own and do good things, but that we show it towards them. That will open their heart to our message. And we do pray that God will open the heart, uh, people's hearts towards our message. Um, another little hint I might give here, if you've had a conflict with someone over the gospel, again, because, my, you know, I, I, I realize I need to just try and with my mother, I need to just try and be a good person. I need to be a good son. She needs to see me as a good husband, as a good father, as a good human being. She needs to see me responsible. She was afraid I'd end up homeless and my kids would end up homeless. She meant a lot to her when we bought our first house. And she thought, okay, he's financially responsible. Things like this can made a big difference to her. But also, we began to pray that God would bring other people into her life. And if you have someone you've tried to witness to, someone close to you, and it's just, you know, you've clashed and there's barriers and it's just like, it's, it's, you can't say it. I mean, it's just too, there's just not going to be conversation. We prayed God would bring other people into her life, and he did. As a matter of fact, in some really amazing ways, I don't have time to share this morning what they are, but, the, you know, there were like three or four really spectacular amazing ways that God brought someone into her life that spoke about both Christ and about me. You know, interestingly, my, I'll just tell one quick story. My wife, my, excuse me, my mother was in a, a bowling league and she was in a league with a woman she really looked up to, really respected. This woman was actually president of the women's club in our community. Like 300 women were in this club and she was the president. My mom was on her bowling team. Well, 25 years ago, when we moved to Ohio from San Diego, she said, uh, my mom announced to her bowling group, she said, uh, my, now, Market, I was like 39 years old at the time. And my mom says to the group, uh, my, my son and his family, they're moving back from California. He's in some cult group that meets in a church out on Linworth Road. And Sue, the, the woman on their team, who she looked up to, said, oh, really, what church is that? And my mom said, oh, they just call themselves Linworth Road Church. And Sue said, oh, well, that's where Walt and I go. 
<laughs> well, that turned things around a little bit, and Sue got my mom to come to church whenever I was... Uh, my mom had never heard me preach until Sue persuaded her to come to church and hear me preach, and that was the first time, and God used this woman as an example. We had several stories like that where God went to work. So that's another thing you can pray for. When, when we say that we win a husband or a parent or a boss or someone else that doesn't want to hear it from us, we win them without our words. Yes, you, you live your life, or dare I even say, for if you have a rebellious child, that maybe rather maybe some of your actions need to change. But when it says we win them without a word, there's one that you don't stop talking to, and that's God. With God, we're told we can cry out to him. He doesn't feel like we're nagging him. He doesn't feel like he's tired of hearing us. Luke 18, verse 1, men ought to pray at all times and not lose heart. And so we continue to cry out to God, and we pray to God, and you take your concerns to God, and you've got to say something, you go say it to God. But with that person you've had a conflict with, maybe it's just time, let your life speak and let your words, excuse me, let your, your, your behavior demonstrate there's something new, fresh, powerful, alive in you that will win their hearts and open them up to hearing the message. Quickly, can I say, um, we pray for revival here. And if we're going to really see revival in America, the men have to be involved. Many, many churches in America, they really are designed for women. And men sit there like a bump in the log, uninvolved. The wife might drag him to church. They're sitting there, you know, thinking about who's going to win the football game that afternoon. Enduring church because the church, the message isn't directed towards them. They don't relate to it. They're not interested. Their heart is cold towards God. I believe, you know, Malachi 4.6, that for there not to be judgment in the land, the fathers have to be involved. The fathers, their heart needs to be turned to the children and the children towards the fathers. And this is, and it's, it's got to be, it's got to come from God. The men in our nation have got to get revived. And as we pray for revival in our land, it's vital that the men not be left out or it will fizzle. The revival will fizzle. Women, you play such a vital part in this. Your, as it talks about here, your inner beauty, your godliness, your faith in God. Notice that we get down to Sarah. Why was she, what was her gentle and quiet spirit? Why was she not frightened by any fear? It's not because she thought Abraham was so awesome. Abraham was being a jerk at the time. It's because she had faith in an awesome God. She had seen, uh, she, she was believing God. She was a woman of God. And dare I say, women, uh, it, it's an amazing thing. God calls men to be the leaders, but he often speaks to the women first. He often gives them greater discernment. He often gives them uh, greater understanding. They see it lots of times before their husband does. I know in my family that's happened so many times. And, yet, and it's during that period of time, the wife sees it, the wife understands, she discerns. The husband doesn't get it yet. And yet he's got to get it. And that wife can either just disregard him and go on her own, or she can develop that gentle, quiet, spirit that has faith in God and is trusting God while she waits and prays for her husband and exhibits that inner beauty towards her husband and wins her husband over. And, you know, if 
If it has to be without a word, without a word. It's, nothing says here she can't talk, she can't express, she can't encourage and, and share things with them. It's just, this is without a word, just as if there's been a terrible clash, you got to be quiet. I mean, you, you win without a word now. But generally speaking, uh, women, don't leave your husbands behind. Don't you be the spiritual one in your family who, who he feels disrespected, he feels unspiritual, he feels weak. I, I remember one of my early bosses, he, he worked like a dog at his job to provide for his family. And his wife didn't need to work, and she stayed home and watched Christian television all day. And believe me, her Bible knowledge seemed to be like this, and his Bible knowledge seemed to be like that. And he felt so inferior, and to be honest, he just didn't want, he wasn't very spiritual in his home. He wasn't very spiritual in his church. But at work with me, he was always asking questions. He was hungry for God, hungry for the Word of God, always interacting with us about God because, he, because we respected him. And, and, and we, we brought him along with that respect. We didn't just kind of, you know, we know all about the Bible and you don't. What's my point? Women, don't leave your husbands behind. Bring them along with you. Motivate them. Encourage them. You have greater influence over your husband than anyone in the world. And if you've lost that influence, you need to regain it. And you regain it as you develop that inner beauty that will be irresistible to him. That inner beauty of a faith in God, a gentle and quiet spirit. There's nothing wrong with outer beauty. This, this verse does not say don't have outer beauty. But don't replace outer, inner beauty with outer beauty. What really is uh, attractive and irresistible is that faith in God, that gentle and quiet spirit, that reverence, that respect, that woman who's able to look up to her husband because she has a great faith in God. Bring them along, women. We need the men to be involved. If we want to see revival in our land, the men have got to be involved. They've got to be involved in our churches. They've got to be involved in our families. They've got to be men of God. And this is what we pray for today. Amen? Amen. I had so much more to say, but I'm almost out of time here, and we haven't even started praying. So let's cry out to God. Father in heaven, we thank you for your ways. They're not our ways, Lord. As the heavens are above the earth, so your ways are above our ways. And Father, we live in a world that we just think the way to always win is with our words. And our words sometimes, Lord, are not the way to win. We do believe, Lord, I, I, I believe the gospel. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I believe the gospel must be preached, and I believe preaching involves words. But, Lord, I know there are times when a, when a person, an individual, must be one without a word. Their heart must be open to you. Their, 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 their attitude needs to become changed so that they will become good ground to receive the seed that can be sown into their life. Father, I pray, for, I pray today for husbands and wives where there's been conflict, where maybe the wife is excited about God and the husband isn't. Lord, help her to know, help these wives to know how to win her husband without a word. Help her to know, help her to study him, to understand what motivates him, to, to understand what's in his head and in his heart. Lord, I believe you've given wives incredible power and influence over their husbands. I pray the wives, Lord, in our country, the Christian women, would, would wield that influence with great wisdom. They would not abandon it. They would not think, oh, no, I just need to out-argue my husband. That may not be the way to win him. Lord, that they would know how to really 
utilize this incredible spiritual weapon that you have given them of inner beauty, of a gentle and quiet spirit, of not being frightened, of not of of, of having faith in God, and therefore they can follow their husband's lead and respect him. Lord, help them, help the wives here to understand what a powerful weapon that is, and to patiently and with great faith wield it in winning their husbands to Christ. Lord, we pray for husbands and men. We pray for, we, we ask, Father, we, we know this passage seems to be about women. Lord, it's really about how to win a husband. We pray, Father, for revival in America. We pray for spiritual awakening. We pray for great salvation. Lord, I pray the men would not be left out. I pray it would not just be a movement of, of teenagers and women. I pray the men, the fathers, the fathers would seek God. I pray the husbands and the fathers would humble themselves before God. I pray the husbands and fathers of our land, Lord, would, 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 would be seeking answers in Scripture, would be seeking answers on their knees in prayer, that our husbands and our fathers would be men of prayer. They would be one to Christ. They'd be engaged in their families. They'd be engaged in their churches. They would take their faith in Christ into the workplace, into wherever they, wherever they go, Lord, that, that, they would be, that they would be godly men. They'd be men of, of victory, men who resist temptation, men who stand strong in Christ. And Lord, I know, I know in my family how much Roz has helped me with that, how much she has motivated me in this, how much she's been a, such a, a, a strength to me to be a godly man. I pray for healing in our families, that more and more men would, women would stand with their husband and these men would become spiritually mighty. We don't want to leave them behind, Lord. We pray for this. We pray for teenagers who've gotten saved and they're excited and they're trying to witness to their parents. Oh, Father, help these teens to be wise. Help them to model what's happened. Help them to demonstrate their new creature. Help them to love and respect and honor their parents and put a curiosity then in their parents' uh, lives. Lord, we don't want to have revival in this land. We, we pray the young people would be involved. They could even lead it. That would be wonderful, Lord, but we don't want to leave the, their parents behind. Lord, we pray that the youth groups in America, that many of the, children, many of the teens that are uh, going to youth group would be winning their parents to Christ, and their parents would be getting involved in their churches as well. Father, these are prayers we ask today. We pray for great wisdom to know how, what is our part, how we can bring about revival in this land. We're praying for it, Lord, but you have principles here of how we should behave and act towards other people. So we pray for, these, for this to happen. Father, today, fill us with great grace, power, the Holy Spirit. Again, all of what we're seeing in Peter, Father, all of what we're seeing just reminds us that our eyes need to be on you, that we need to not be discouraged by our circumstances. We need to not be squeezed into the mold that the world wants us to walk in. We need to rise above. We need to be better people, better Christians. We need to say it better, do it better. We, Lord, we need to be more and more what you want us to be. And we live, Lord, where we're just constantly being bombarded with messages of what the world wants and how the world behaves, and how the world gets its way. And we thank you, Lord, your ways are different. 
And we pray that we'd walk in them. Help us, Lord, to discover those ways freshly. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit within us to walk with that, with that faith in God, that we would not be frightened, even if people are against us, because we have greater faith in God and we know our God is greater than our enemies. Lord, that we would have a, a gentleness, a meekness of spirit. You said the meek will inherit the earth. The blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Lord, that we would have this meek spirit that's, that's not a weak spirit, it's not passive, it's aggressively trusting in you, aggressively seeking humility. It's, it's taking control, not by our pride, but taking control by our humility and meekness, what really is giving you control. Lord, help us to control our spirits this very day as we trust in you. Fill us with your joy. Fill us with a poise and confidence that cannot be shaken because we have faith in a great, great, mighty God that you're bigger than any person or circumstance we encounter. We bless you. We love you. Thank you for hearing our prayers. We continue, Lord. We thank you. We can cry out to you. We cry out for husbands. We cry out for parents. We cry out for the unsafe children. We just cry out. We cry out. Thank you. You never grow tired of hearing us. You said we ought to pray at all times and not lose faith that we do that today. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you today. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope this has been encouraging to you. It really has been to me that this is a passage that, boy, it tells us how we can, we can walk in victory. We can be better. We can have, we can overcome. Remember, Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. This is what we want to be and we're going to be this year. And if things turn against us um, anywhere in our culture, and they are, let's face it, things are turning against us, but we can rise above and we can win and prevail with our God. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for joining me. If you're new, make sure you hit the subscribe and notify button. Also hit the like button. Tell your friends. Pass this around on social media. Tell them by word of mouth. Tell them by your, your digitally, however you want to do it. Tell people, church, your small group, your family, buddies, friends, neighbors. Let's uh, grow our prayer group here each day, okay? Hey, God bless you. Love you guys. You have a great day. And uh, might the Lord fill you with grace and peace to the fullest measure. Stay safe and stay warm. We'll see you tomorrow.